Hello out there, ladies. It's Rochelle with another episode of Unabashed You, where we as women get to talk about stuff. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. This week's episode features Bridget. This is not the same Bridget as featured in episode 20, TK Bitch. In today's conversation, we covered Bridget's bucket list items, who she'd like to have coffee with, and deeper topics like learning the power of asking the right questions through a venture she shares with her husband, which was at his request. It's been a beautiful, life-changing experience. You will enjoy hearing all about it. Bridget and I bonded over earrings. Honestly, that's how we started talking and getting to know each other. She is kind faithful, and has soulful eyes that draw you in. You want to get to know her and what she's all about. I've been looking forward to this conversation as she has been involved with some pretty cool things that we're going to get to talk about. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Rochelle. Oh my gosh, that's quite the introduction and probably far more than I did. No, and I can go on and on, but that's just a little snippet. A little snippet. I love that we we started our conversations over earrings. I just think that's such. A, I forgot about that actually. Yeah, that's just a fun way that we got connected. All right, we're gonna get to know you a little bit better. What, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Yeah, so I know that everybody says the same thing. That no, they don't. That, um, you know, podcasts. Oh, they don't. Okay. Well. Um, that's a lot of pressure, but no, no, there should be no creative, pressure here. Creative for sure. Like that is, I was born just loving to create, draw, paint, and sometimes it keeps me up at night because I just want to create in my head for hours. And uh, compassionate. I, I, you know, I. There are people out there just hurting, and I just love to, you know, love on them. Yes. And the third one, I was. Gosh, that's kind of tricky, but I would say um, just interested. Like, I am an expert, and I want to know everything about everybody. (laughs) So I'm happy to walk up to you and ask you why you have that tattoo, and what does it mean? Oh, I I love that. Those really capture creative, compassionate, and interested. That is a great combination of words and that is actually why I really like this exercise because the person has to kind of think about it and think about themselves and then you know uh, identify three different things that that they feel strongly about in themselves and obviously each person could write an entire book about describing themselves but having to come up with three words ends up being really telling I think and I, I absolutely love the three words you chose they do describe you, and of course, more. But those are, are the three that we're sticking with. Your favorite female character of all time. Now, this can be, um, you know, fiction. It can be uh, a TV personality, you know, a, a TV character, movies, plays, books. Um, I kind of wanted to broaden this one for you because I thought, I bet she's going to come up with something really interesting. Gosh, characters. Oh, goodness. Um, but, you know, that should just roll easily off. No. I, I, I love and love to read. And I've, all, I've loved to read since I was a kid. I'm so thankful that God put that, that passion for reading in me. Uh, let's see. Who would I, would, you, would you say she has to be fictitious? I said favorite female character of all time, so I'll let you interpret that however you like. If it's a real person, that's fine with me. This is not a game show, so it's not like the answer is going to 
The answer is not going to be wrong. It's just a springboard for conversation. You're not going to hang up on me? No, nope, <laughs> definitely not. Um, I would probably have to say, gosh, somebody probably biblical, and I that would have to go with Ruth or Eve. But wow, that's quite the dichotomy, Ruth, or what was your second one? Oh, Eve, because Eve is. A lot. She represents a lot of us, right? And our flaws and our wanting to, you know, believe other things and experience stuff. And she just represents human female. And I can't help. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say I can't help but understand that there's more to the story and that there is things that we don't, there are things that we don't know about that story because um, that's just what I, that's just my own opinion. <laughs> but I would, I would probably have to say Ruth and she's, she is real. She was real. Um, and she, um, she was just so determined and faithful. Yes. And in, in spite of what she was facing, she just cast all the things that could have tripped her up to the wind and said, nope, I'm going, I'm here, you're not going to deter me, and that's just it, and, and I'm coming along for the ride, and I have no idea what that's going to look like, but she went on the adventure, and she was just faithful, and it actually turned out great for her, and that's not always how life goes, for sure. Right. But I just love her steadfastness, and I think I wish I was a little bit more that way, because I can tend to be... The, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, to the point of, I'm like, eh, I'm just not going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually see you a little bit like Ruth. I mean, Ruth is, was very loyal, and she also had such a love for her, and trusting, she had such a love for Naomi that she trusted any advice Naomi gave her. She like you said, steadfast. She just like, oh, you want me to lay down at his feet? Okay, I'll go lay down at his feet. I mean, I'm not. I, I think I would have questioned that one. Like, what? You want me to go lay down at his feet while he's sleeping? That seems a little. It seems a little presumptuous. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. But thank you for that one. See, now I would have gone Mary Tyler Moore or or, or Mary Richards. Mary Richards, not not the actress, although I love the actress, but but Mary Richards would have would have been my answer. <laughs> so. Needed a longer amount of time to consider all of the women. Well, and see, that's so the many, you know. Oh, I know. Can I? Can I? Yes. Second. Yes. How about? Ball. Yes. That woman was a creative, hilarious genius. Yes. I know every episode of the I Love Lucy yes. show back before. We were little kids. Yes. in front of appliance that was a television set, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And do you realize that when we were growing up, they were already reruns? They were not. Yeah, they were not. Because we were born after that show you know, had even been popular and in its heyday. So and, 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 oh, TV was all in color for a while and we were still watching the black and whites and loving them. So how talented was she that we were watching things that were black and white? Right. <laughs> and just, just soaking up the hilarity. Yes, yes. And that is a great answer. I love that answer. And, and see, that's the cool thing about these questions is that the answers aren't, aren't, are, are fluid. You know, it depends on the day. It depends on your mood. It depends on, you know, what you've read lately. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just, there's, there's, there are no wrong answers here. Now, who would you want to go have coffee with? This is maybe somebody you don't know. You'd love to pick their brain or maybe somebody you do know and you just would like to spend some time with them. Just, you know, who would you want to go have some coffee with? Gosh, so if I could pick somebody, 
it would probably be the late great Robbie Zacharias. I just I don't know who that is. Tell us who that is. So he say the name again one more time. Robbie Zacharias. Robbie, so R A V I. Yeah. Okay. Robbie, he passed away right at the beginning, I believe, of COVID. Um, he went in for a checkup in. I believe December, on his back was really bothering him. His doctor um, told him he had unfortunately had cancer, and he passed away within three months. Oh, my gosh. So I just love that man. Oh, and he was uh, just such a sweet, loving uh, light, and just brilliant, brilliant. Grew up in India in the caste system. And uh, during the 50s, and his father was um, a prominent, I believe, either politician or doctor, I can't remember. But his, um, his dad was none too happy with him when he was a high school student because he didn't love school. He was caught ditching, and his father was highly aggressive in trying to get Robbie to comply. And... Um, he was so broken about his relationship with school and his father that he tried, I believe, at 17 to take his life and woke up um, in the hospital um, with a failed suicide attempt. But um, somebody came to him and brought him the gospel, and he became a believer and um, decided to dedicate the rest of his life teaching. And the, the thing that teaching about um, what he believed to be truth in God. And the thing that I love about him is you would never hear him um, press or push or condemn or shut anything down anyone's mm. throat. He's taught in the most loving way through stories and experience and and just such a fascinatingly well-read individual. Wow. I cannot now, is he an author then? Is that how we would find him? Um, you would. You would find him as an author, and there are many, many YouTubes. So he often would, um, he spoke with dignitaries, he spoke with rulers, he, he, he often would, um, but the crux of his speaking was done on university campuses. Okay. And he would never, he didn't believe in debates, he would just talk and then have a um, Q&A session. Oh, that sounds great. Were you ever able to see him live? Did. We met him um, oh, wow. at Protege and just both just super dynamic men and just really, again, just unbelievably oozed love when they spoke. Just, mm. just terrific and brilliant and funny. They were so funny. Like you were, you couldn't be in a room and not be fully engaged. Oh, that's love that. Love those kind of people. All right. Bucket list item. Is there something? Uh, okay. Was something on there that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, so um, <laughs> can it be frivolous? Yes. <laughs> so I have this desire to swim with whale sharks. Okay. Which I think are just such magnificent creatures. And I love the ocean and love, you know, being underwater and snorkeling. So swimming with whale sharks. And I, okay, this one's really silly. Um, I want a greenhouse in my backyard that no one can see in so I can go out there and take a shower on warm mor mornings amidst all of my plants. <laughs> oh, that's so imaginative. I, I weird, right? Oh, I love and, it. Yeah, super fun. And then I'm, I'm so dying to just go visit Switzerland. I went to Ireland last June, a year ago, pre-COVID, so, and Switzerland is on my on my list. Oh, that's great. That's a good one. Two truths and a lie. You're going to say three things about yourself and one of them will not be true and I will have to guess the one that's not true. Now, for those who aren't used to playing this, if you think a category that kind of makes it easier, like either like family, job, uh, if you kind of, you know, think of it that way, it kind of makes it a little easier if you're not, you know, used to playing this kind of game. Cool. I love that. I will definitely, definitely category. Okay. Um, so in school, in college, I 
sold cars. <laughs> I waited tables uh, until two in the morning, and I modeled. Okay, so we've got uh, selling cars, waited tables till two in the morning, and was a model. Okay, um, I'm gonna say already yes to the model, and so we'll put that one aside. And now we've got selling cars and waiting on tables till two. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I I feel like I. Hmm. I'm gonna go with. I actually think that maybe you sold cars, so I'm gonna go with the waiting tables till two, which would be such a general one, but that's the one I'm gonna pick as the lie. You know what? As I told that lie, I realized I shouldn't have said until 2 in the morning because liars always give too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> well, but let's say you were a cocktail waitress. You would right. have worked until 2. Right, but I wouldn't need to say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how detectives come up with, with finding out people, catching people in a lie about Too much info. <laughs> oh, that is so great. I love it. Okay. Moving on to slightly more serious uh, topic. As women, and we, you and I have talked about this completely separately, I, I believe we really struggle with worth, how we feel about ourselves. It starts at a very young age. How do you counteract some of the mixed messages we receive as women? Well, I think it... First, you have to come to the realization that there is a mixed message. Oh, that is okay. so good. If we, don't, if we don't know that we're not even asking the right questions, we don't even oh, know where to dig for answers. That, I'm just, just, that's so good. That's so good. So I think if, if something in us feels icky or miserable or we keep banging our head against the wall, that's probably when we... That's the first light bulb that we're not asking the right questions. Mm, mm, and so um, to counteract that, I think we need to, I read a book um, maybe 15 years ago about this very sage woman who was in her late 70s giving advice to a younger married woman who was having um, struggles with in her marriage. And I thought, wow, that woman is so wise. And it's a true story. Um, I'll have to think of the, the title of the book. But I thought, how did that woman come to be so wise? And what a gift it was for the younger woman to have her in her life and to ask questions. And she was just so calm about all of her answers. And you could tell that she didn't, like she wasn't second guessing the things she was telling the younger woman. She just knew. And so... I think we all need a woman like that in our lives to begin with. Mm. That has been there, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's been through the nonsense. She's mm -hmm. second best herself. She's tried a million things and hopefully come out on the other end mm. a wiser and more complete person. Now, you know, if you run across an older woman and she's banging her head against the wall, she's probably not the one you want to go <laughs> ask questions of. Right. She's frazzled all the time. That's probably not your best bet. <laughs> that sounds like a great book. At some point in the next few days, figure out the name of that book and I'll put it in the episode notes. That way if somebody would like to know what that is, then I, 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 I know what it called. It was called An Unfinished Marriage. Oh. Very good. The title is so intriguing. Gosh, what a great title. That just draws me right in. Wow. What is one of the wisest things anyone ever said to you? Now, likely, you, like many of us, you've got a dozen or more like go-to sayings and truths that run through your mind in different scenarios and situations. But in this moment, what is one of the wisest things anyone ever said to you? You know, Rochelle, I am. I feel like one of the most blessed women on the planet in that I am surrounded by unbelievably brilliant and wise women. So many of them. Um, it's. <laughs> I should be running the state or the or the country. I'm <laughs> surrounded by so many wise women and have received so much in the last probably 
20 years from, from all of these incredible ladies in my life. Um, my aunt is one of uh, my favorite people, and in fact, I just spoke with her today. Um, and one of the things that she shared with me that was really um, empowering in that it took a lot of emotional reaction out of conversations or arguments where you're dealing with somebody that just wants to mm-hmm. have her way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and she said, look, oftentimes if, if you're not the one you know, freaking out and you're just bringing information to somebody and they react poorly, that's mainly about them and it's not about you. And so that way you can just step back and say they're dealing with something that I don't need to be involved in emotionally. And so I think that was just really important advice because it gives you the power in a conversation when you can be operating from a position of not worrying about a person's reaction. If you're bringing it in truth and in love, and they react poorly, you can step back and say, that's not about me, and you don't need to become Okay, so the bottom line is that's not about me is kind of the the kind of the, the saying that you would hit in your mind and you know to be remember and to be reminded that their reaction first of all obviously is not your responsibility but the fact that they're reacting so poorly is very telling about where they're at and that it, it it's about them and not about you Right, but that doesn't mean you can come into a room and have a conversation while you're you're the one yelling and freaking out and expect them to respond. Right. You know, that means that you started the conversation from that position. Right, exactly. That's excellent advice. Excellent. The last fun thing you did, which in these COVID times can be as simple as taking some time out and having a bubble bath. But what's you the know, last fun I, thing you did? Well, so because um, my son is still at home, who's in high school, and just hating every minute of it, um, we turned our granny flat, which is over our garage, into a space for kids to come and hang out in small numbers, of course, and you know, making sure they're healthy and whatnot. And we also got a pool table for the garage. So I, whenever we have 10 minutes in our day or at the end of the day, we're like, cool? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we're now learning how to play pool and watching YouTube to hopefully get better because we're not very good. And I need somebody to come over and instruct us, but it's pretty darn fun. It's frivolous, but you know, it's pretty fun during COVID. <laughs> so you're enjoying it, and no doubt you're getting better because the more you do anything, the better you get at it. Let's go like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's time to take a deep dive into the things that we discussed in our pre-talk. You and your husband have this custom, and it's even more than a custom. That's probably not even the right word. It's a habit. It's a commitment Um, on a weekly basis. I would love for you to tell us more about that, how it started, uh, what it's about, what it looks like, uh, the impact it's had, because it's, it's, um, you know, the stories you've told me are incredible. And the fact that you have the bravery to, to do what you're doing is, you said you're an extrovert and you're obviously confident and, and like you already said, not responsible for a person's reaction. You already know that that's an important piece to take with you in a situation like this. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I, I didn't used to be an extrovert, actually. So I've always found it rather easy to make friends. But even in high school, I had a very, very small niche group of friends because I was pretty, pretty shy in that respect. But, but you know, just I guess just easy at having conversation. But I, I would tell you that I became an extrovert, um, confident in walking up to people only in the last probably 15 years of my life. And so where that um, traverses or moves into our uh, passion together in, in our relationship is that we go out to the malls on the weekend and we talk to people and ask them um, just the three deepest questions of life. And so this came about um, in 2008. Uh, Andrew and I were dating at the time. So we started dating in February and in August he came to me and he said, I saw this guy on YouTube. 
I want to start going to the malls and talking to the people about, you know, talking to people about God and asking them questions. And so I patted him on the shoulder and I said, you have fun with that. No way in the world am I doing that. You're a nut. I remember going to the gym the next morning with a girlfriend of mine and telling her what he said. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, probably break up with him. <laughs> and, I, and I meant it. I'm like, this guy's a wacko, and I don't know where he came up with this ridiculous, literally absurd idea. I'm not having anything to do with it. But but somehow I had this um, sense of peace about it, and I thought, okay, well, I'll just wait a few days, and maybe it'll go away, or maybe I'll get some other info, and maybe I just need to let it marinate and figure out what this looks like. And so I think that was on a Tuesday and a Friday, and I thought, you know, this would be something in the way off future. <laughs> Friday, he came to me and he goes, how about tonight? I want to go out tonight and start this. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> so we went out Saturday evening after dinner, and I needed a glass of wine first. <laughs> <'cause> I'm <laughs> unbelievably uncomfortable. And so it just started out, as anything does, you know, at its genesis, it's it's messy, it's awkward, it's it's new, and you're fumbling your way through until it becomes more commonplace and you become comfortable with it. So um, he said, I, I can't do this without you because you'll go talk to people, and I won't do that to save my life. And he still won't do that. He's, he's trying it out. He's now putting his feet in the water, you know, 12 years later, testing out the water and trying to, to start speaking to people without me. But um, I would go and nab people and say, hey, um, my husband and I are writing a book, and um, we'd like to just ask you three questions of um, philosophy, and um, I would, uh, you know, like to just take two to four minutes of your time, and we're not selling anything. I had to start, I learned I had to start out with that immediately. We're not selling anything, because we go to the local shopping mall, and people are like, what does this person want, and what is she going to try and sell it? Right. And so we didn't know what to expect um, when we began, if, we were, if anyone would ever talk to us. And so it's been the, probably the most rewarding part about this is people are dying to have this conversation. Mm. I probably, in weeks of doing it, um, you know, in a month, in a given month, so we talk to usually three groups of people each weekend. And... Maybe, maybe once a month or twice a month, somebody will say, no, thank you, or, or we're in a hurry, I'm sorry. But everybody's so polite. And so um, it just it started out really awkwardly. So we would stand and talk to people, and it made them feel a little rushed, like they just wanted to get through it and move on. And then we found out that if we sat down and... Anders sat at a table and just held it while I went off and grabbed the people or nabbed the people. (laughs) (laughs) That they were much more at ease if they could just sit there and the conversation felt more like having people in your living room as opposed to someone passing by and grabbing them and rush, you know, through these three important questions. And... So when we first started out, we were at this mall that was a little choppy and messy and difficult to, you know, find anybody in. And so it was really awkward, and I just made sure I wanted to keep doing this, even after a month. And every week, I have this same bizarre conversation in my head that says, nah, nobody's going to want to talk to you. This will help. This is a waste of time. And I don't know why that conversation is still there. Maybe because it became habitual. I don't know. But everyone wants to talk. It's so interesting. Everybody has an opinion. Do you want me to share the questions? Absolutely. So the first question is, um, when you die, do you think that there is anything after here? And that is pretty telling. And people are usually not... Um, expecting that kind of a question at a shopping mall. I, I was going to say that that I mean that's starting off with a pretty right, deep dive right in, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no warm up. <laughs> and then the second question is, um, uh, do you think that the universe had a starting point or not, and and what? And so that that becomes wow. telling as well. 
And then the final question is, do you think that life um, has meaning or purpose? And for you individually, not, not for, you know, collectively, um, every human on the planet. And so a lot gets revealed wow. in those three questions. And they're, you know, it's nothing new. These are the, you know, greatest questions of all time. Where did we come from? Where are we going? And why are we here? Wow. And so it's just a modern audience that, and if you can have a conversation where people aren't feeling, you're not causing them to feel defensive, it helps them process things that they don't really think about on a, in a time frame where they give themselves um, permission to really think these questions through. Mm-hmm. And we have learned so, so much about um, our school system, our government, churches, parenting. Oh, my goodness. So much about parenting and, and churches through listening to these people and what kids were brought up with what adults have changed their minds about in raising their kids, in what churches have um, done an awesome job at and also done just a horrendous job at. Yeah. Uh, so it's just been it's just been incredible. And so we we haven't written it yet. We've started um, I should say I've started many times um, and written several pages, but it's just not finished. And so we just Last weekend when we went, um, we had a young man at the end of the conversation say, you know, I want to thank you both for your kindness and taking the time to come out here and do this. Because this conversation really benefited me and I didn't realize how badly I needed to stop and have a different perspective. Wow. He said thank you so so very much. I think 26-year-olds and just really struggling with some questions of faith. So do you collect some basic info on each group? I mean, not necessarily their contact info, but maybe like, you know, age or, or, or something that kind of, I don't know, helps represent the diversity in which you have, you know, the people that you two have talked to over these? Yeah, so we, we have um, stacks of, uh, notebooks that we have kept on on everyone, and so it's just first name, age, and where they you know like to call home, and um, you don't take last names for obvious reasons. Yeah, you have to have them sign a consent form, and also who wants to give your last name in in today's day and age, right? I'm sure that instantly feels like a scam. Um, and so um, what we have kept is just their their. Uh, name and age and, and where they're from, um, but also what they were, what they were raised in, whether they were raised with some form of formal religion or um, uh, the, what we say that um, or, or some philosophy because Hinduism and Buddhism don't call themselves a religion; it's just a philosophy. And so we. Um, keep that information as well. And one of the things that we have been hearing more and more, and it's interesting, just just having been at the shopping malls for 12 years, to watch, just to physically watch the change Mm. in people over 12 years has been really interesting. Like, just the way that just people's behavior with one another and, and especially during COVID, to watch people kind of desperate to be with one another, but still so um, uncertain as to how close and just their their personalities, their continents, their unsure um, overall demeanor, and their level of anxiety for right now. Okay. Hopefully, we'll get out of it soon. So you're still going every week in COVID. We are. Okay. So. We are, and we only we started maybe. Two months ago, three months ago, we started back probably three months ago. And we really didn't know what to anticipate because we didn't think anyone would talk to us. But what was surprising is they wanted to talk even more because I think people had been so isolated. They were mm. desperate to have conversations. They were like, sure, we don't have anything better to do. <laughs> we love to talk to you. And so it's just been wild because it is really... Um, 
not just helped us to understand what the need is, but to clarify our own position in parenting, in conversations about what really matters, what we feel is more important, um, and to just be good listeners. Sometimes people just want to be heard, you mm-hmm. know? And they don't, not everybody has people to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's nicer to have a stranger to listen to you than your family, right? Because you already know their answers, right? You already know the people that work with them. And the way you structured this is that they really have the opportunity to fully be and answer the questions that you've given them because you haven't collected their last name and their address and their email address. And there's a freedom in that. Sure. So that was really uh, well designed. Okay. So it's been 12 years. How many people would you say that you've encountered over these 12 years? So, so my not um, extroverted, very, um, where is my, I would call, if I were to describe my husband, I would say he is my very intentional, very intentional, very structured <laughs> husband, has kept his spreadsheet on all of, all of the people we have talked to, just with some basic information about just for, for the purpose of writing so that we have data so that we can kind of put together an age demographic yeah. and, and um, kind of a, a demographic of what people were raised in and what their belief is now. And um, we've talked to almost 4,000 people. Oh, gosh. I, I know. I find it hard to believe. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just that, that we think that Things are solved in an hour, right? Or if, we, if I don't have these 10 hours, I can't accomplish this. No, it's just a couple hours every weekend. That's it. For, for 12 years. Really wow. That is truly remarkable. Now, yeah. this is going to become a book. At, so you're waiting kind of for um, the the nudge, the, the intuition that it's time. And as you said, you've started writing. In the meantime, you keep, you're going to keep going. Um, I think even once we're done writing, we'll still keep going. Because reading a book as opposed to having a conversation is a very different thing. Yes. And the book is really just, not just, the book is going to be incredible. It's a symbol and it's documentation and anecdotal of this incredible experience that you two had at his initiation that you were very reluctant to participate in. <laughs> and isn't it interesting that you ended up benefiting and being so very blessed by saying yes to something and you I wanted think that to that's say it no to? In life. Sorry, what was that? Last I was time? just going to say sometimes we want to say no. Yeah, and the saying yes ended up being a really, a, a really beautiful thing. And so often, we want to say no because it's uncomfortable or out of whatever. But then the saying yes has a cost too, and but so often in the cost, there's a reward and a blessing that we didn't even know was going to be there. Completely, completely. We. Um... I would say it's probably been the simplest, you know, if you could say that. Initially, it didn't feel like that. But the simplest two hours to give of my life with the most outrageous benefit Mm. that I could have ever imagined. It's just been really beautiful. And and what's been so wonderful is to, um, you know, he'll he'll give out, Andrew will give out his email um, to people if they if they ask, um, and he has heard that from people saying, you know, thank you for challenging me, mm-hmm. challenging back these questions, and we've continued the conversation. And I think it's just, it truly is a matter of getting us to slow down and be reflective in our lives about mm-hmm. the things that, that really matter. And if, if once in a while somebody doesn't come along and poke you in the arm and say, hey, have you considered this? Or have you thought about that? Sometimes we can go for decades and years or even our whole life without somebody interjecting something that can really open a door for us and really transform us. And so my husband is a 
walking encyclopedia of Bible and history and science, the guy's a nerd. <laughs> so gifted in really listening to what the person is um, searching for or missing, and he just has such brilliant brilliance and wisdom to offer up. And so sometimes the conversation, I shouldn't say sometimes, oftentimes, the conversation will start out with people um, rigid or broken or angry or agitated about these questions. And by the time that we are finished, and I would say the average conversation lasts 20 minutes. Okay, so it's not two to four. But by the time the 20 minutes or sometimes 45 minutes pass, um, they will walk away with something that they're absolutely chewing on that makes them feel like that conversation mm. was incredible. Is there, have you named this kind of operation or, or is, is it just, it's our time to go to the mall? I mean, what, what no, he calls it, he calls it amologetics. Homologetics. <clears throat> Very catchy. Very catchy. I like it. I like it. So we, we've talked to people that, we've talked to Holocaust survivors for two hours. Wow. In afternoon. And, and just, just beautiful, just unbelievable conversation with them. And then, uh, and then we, we actually talked to 20-somethings that uh, didn't believe that the Holocaust even was a thing. It was all made up. Like, really? One extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. But it's been, it's been so rewarding. Like, I can't, uh, I wish everybody were out doing this. Mm-hmm. We just need, it's what, it's what we are in need of right now. We are in need of real in-depth conversation to not understand, not just understand one another, but to learn how to listen and to learn how to access God. Because I think that has been the, the demise of people in relationship to God has been, I, I don't, I'm not going to listen to your questions because I probably don't have good answers, so just keep doing what I've been doing and don't stop and ask. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not right. And, and like I said, there are churches out there just doing such a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. That say things like, you just have to have faith. It's not, we're too smart for you just have to have faith. Right, right. And it's okay to say that sometimes when there are things that there isn't an instant answer to in our personal lives. But when somebody has a good Bible question or a good question about another religion, we should have good answers. Mm-hmm. And, and hey, if you don't, but it's not okay to just give a pat answer and run off and, you know, pat them on the head if that, as if that should suffice. Right. It's Say, I don't know, but right. can I get back? That's yes, okay. absolutely. It's it's actually a very valuable thing to be able to say. I, I don't I don't know, and that's such a great question. Let me look into that and get back to you. There's so much more power in that. All right, the past three months, you were telling me that a new thing has been happening in your life, and I I want to kind of go out on this topic. Can you refresh my memory? Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, so you told me that for the past three months, a new thing has been happening, and that there's a book title that you have in your mind. Yeah. And I don't know if this is actually going to be yet another book or not, or if it's just... Well, it's related to what we've learned, and it's, I, you know, I think we need to... Uh, uh, one, you know... Maybe this is a little too strong, but I was thinking of writing a book um, about ditching your religion. Uh, you know, ditch your religion, really. Um, that's that's a, a tough thing to say, but, and I don't mean ditch your beliefs. No. That isn't what I'm saying at all. But we should probably be ditching things that say obligatory in front of them. Yes. There, there are things that we should, you know, 
I am obligated to be, be faithful as a spouse. I am obligated to be a good parent. I am obligated in the things that I make a commitment to, to do my best. Yes. But if your religion keeps telling you that the best way to have a relationship with God is by these obligatory things that build your ladder to heaven or build you to be a better person, that gets really tricky and really messy and throws up all of these roadblocks in front of people that don't understand that we were made to have a relationship with God above all. Mm-hmm. If God went to all of the trouble to design a universe, create a planet, and put us on it in his image, shouldn't it be a provocative thing to want to know who fashioned him? Mm-hmm. But yet, as humans, we put all of these things in front of them and say, do this and do that and do this thing. And it's not about the system. It is about a conversation. Yes. It is about a search. Yes. So I want to know the heart of the one who made me. Why Why did he make me in the first place? And mm-hmm. he made me different from my husband and different from the rest of the weirdos in my family. <laughs> <laughs> why are they that way? Why am I this way? And what do you want me to do with that? Yeah. That's beautiful. You've got a couple books going on here. This is really, really great. And I think it comes at a really good time, Bridget, because I think there, there's a whole movement in Christianity that talks about deconstruction and, um, you know, deconstructing the faith if you were born and raised in a particular faith, you know, taking it apart and deciding, you know, what parts, you know, it's not the cafeteria style that I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about what you're talking about, which is the some of the rigidity, the lack of flexibility, the the non-loving responses, the building of walls to keep people out, which is so the opposite of love, and then reconstructing the parts that actually make sense and are loving and are rooted in the source of love. Yeah, and and it's really interesting to talk to people that are so uncertain, but if they keep doing these things, maybe it's good enough. It's, uh, that's really a, that's yes, really, that's a great divide, right? And wants uh, to keep who wants to keep wondering if they're good enough their whole life? Because uh, I'm just not going to be. <laughs> I woke up this morning and probably had some not so unkind thoughts about somebody, right? Yes. That made me mad or was rude uh, on the road. And so, am I ever going to stop doing that? I, I hope so. But if I don't, does that mean I'm not good enough? Right. I, I, I love that you use that phrase, not good enough, because that is one that I have wrestled with my whole life for sure and it's it's part people pleaser it's part woman it's part firstborn it's part all those things and more family dynamics but and that's that is a big huge reason that i felt so intensely called to do this because i want to have these exact conversations in which not just women but men, that we all feel we are already enough right now, full stop, just as we are. There aren't, there aren't conditions. We don't have to look and act. And I mean, you're talking about being, you know, your best self. And your best self on one day is different than your best self on another day. And, and we're certainly not our best selves during COVID. I went to no, and, most of us are feeling like we're our best selves. And right? then we, yeah, and then we we have to remember the human part. Uh, we were not made for perfection. Oh no, no, not this side of heaven. For no, sure. the brokenness is a real, real part of who each one of us is or are. I'm not sure. I'd have to dissect that sentence. I don't know grammatically. I should know this. But anyway, um, and, and I, I think the accepting of that is so important. It's so important to know that you're going to have some not so great thoughts about somebody sometime. And guess what? 
that's okay. You move on, you move on, you move past, you keep processing, you go forward, and you just, in any one moment, you're you, the best you there is in that moment, which often is going to fall short of where you want to be, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Hopefully you walk away and you feel that was the best me, but but there are going to be times where you walk away and you're like, well, that was definitely not the best me. Well, and, and that to me, that's part of it. The best you in that moment maybe was tired and cranky and agitated, but that was the best me in that moment. That was it. Right, right. And grace, grace is my favorite word. Right. Because it, to other people, you show it to yourself and then you learn from it and and do it differently next time, if, if possible. And if you yeah, do it again, yeah, it's a well we're all going right. to have a human experience. Absolutely. Right? And it's not about being good or being good enough. It's just about being real. Well, we have this, we have the wrong definitions for too many things. In yes. Our like, we cannot talk about taboo subjects. We can't talk about sin. We can't talk about certain things because certain things make us feel uncomfortable. But part of it is that the definition is wrong in the first place. Yes. And then in the second place, somebody shamed the heck out of us. Yes. You're clear of it, right? And so we, you know, we, we know the general topics for our, our generation or, or in the moment are the things that we're not supposed to be talking about because God or Jesus, you know, said, no, those things are bad. But the, the problem is, is that, if we're if we want to if we're going to do that, we can't just dissect out one thing that's bad. It's not even about bad. It's about the word sin, and sin just means that you missed these things over here that God said please don't do them because they're not good for you. And so, if we're moving away from the things that are good for us and moving into a place of things that aren't good for us and not good for us as a people group, on top of an individual. We, we need to know that we can be right with him without worrying that we're going to be smushed or, right. or oh, yeah. counted out yes. or ignored or yes. written off. And, and that's where people struggle. So we, we, we yell about these, these particular specific sins, but we, we've somehow forgotten that there's a whole bunch of other things that make us miss the mark. And that's all that it means. Yes. You, you missed you miss it, so stop avoiding it, stop yelling about it, and just come back and say, why, why is this not good Right. for me or for society as a general? And, and what's better? Instead of, instead of either you know, calling everything loving and wonderful and perfect and good, because it isn't, there are things that are certainly not good for us, Yes. And 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 making up our own general rules that now everybody's confused because there there's either um, an objective right or there isn't and we can't we can't subjectively every day be moving the needle back and forth to suit what's what's easier or convenient or less stressful for us and it, it's actually so unbelievably freeing if you can define things correctly by what God says and look at the whole thing, not just piecemeal it out and say, well, you know, I don't like this one thing, so I'm throwing the whole thing out. <laughs> right? And we tend to do that as humans because there's one area that we don't want to be touched at and we don't want to think about or we don't want to talk about. Right. And so then we just throw the whole thing out and then we don't have to have the conversation. But if we can just redefine the conversation as and ask more questions as to why this isn't good. We can probably have a better conversation that feels less defensive, gives us better information, and frees our lives up. Well, and I think, and this would be a whole other podcast, but there's a lot of uh, church hurt out there, and it's very real, and people have been completely clobbered with uh, things uh, coming from a place of fear or punishment, and those things are, you know, in my opinion, are not of God because God is love and there is no punishment in love. And I actually hate the word sin. And I wrote a blog post on this uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. And it's not that I don't understand the, the definition. I completely understand the definition. And yeah. I, it's, it's, 
it makes total sense to me. I have no problem with the definition. It's the word. And it's because it has been misused, abused, and and used to demean, shame, shame people, shame. demean them, oppress them. And that is my issue. It is a trigger word for me, just be, for those reasons. So I had to go on a little tangent there. Yeah. That's why I said we need... You know, if you want to change the word to, to just, you know, shooting an arrow and missing the bullseye, I don't care. Right. The, the, the point is, is that we have to stop avoiding the definitions of things because somebody put the wrong label on it. Yes. Because then we can't get to the beautiful parts of right. avoiding. Get that. Because there are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things that come from, you know, we're, we're stuck in places in our lives. Like, if I perpetually lie all day long to save my skin, <laughs> right? I'm right. not free because I have to keep remembering all the lies I told. Right. right? That's not freedom. Yes. That's not freedom. That's misery. That is. And so, you know, I don't want to live like that. I want to live well, as free. And so that's another book. You've got, like, three books. <laughs> You've got like three books ready to to roll out here just in this, you know, conversation. We've touched on three areas. So I think you've got some COVID activities to, to do while you're, uh, I think you said you you started painting again, yes? Yeah, yeah, I started painting. Okay, so when you're not painting and, you know, dealing with the kids and the husband, then you, you, you've got some writing to do. That, yeah, there's a lot of great conversations that need to be had. And I'm I'm very grateful that you came on the show and we're willing to have a very open and honest. Con- These are the things that I cannot get enough of right now. I mean, I really could just start weeping over uh, the need to have these kind of conversations and um having a kindred spirit in you and knowing that you you not only you allow you are you are real you are transparent you are willing to be vulnerable you are willing to call a thing a thing and you're you're out there you know loving on people and doing what you can to make a difference in the life you have and if each person did that wow can you imagine the impact yeah, and hopefully we, as we grow and we learn, we can stop um, putting up the facade and start looking at what we already own and where can I benefit others and what I have. Right. And not worrying about what I lack. And I think that's that's Yes. For some of us to get there. Amen. That sounds like another book, too. I'm going to hang up on you now. I know. Bridget, thank you so much for the conversation. It was really, um, there's just something about when I get to have these conversations, they're electrifying, they're edifying, all those great words. I, I just get so pumped up because I, I find this kind of a conversation, you know, enthralling and exciting and uh, I don't know if I already said exhilarating, energizing, all these great words. Um, this is this is just so important to me right now to be a part of these kinds of conversations. So thank you. I just admire you. I'm inspired by you. I am so glad that we're in each other's lives. Amen. And I'll also you some Christmas Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. I love it. My erring friend. I love it. Okay, you go have a great day. We'll chat later. Thanks, Bridget. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bridget learned to say yes to something she initially wanted to say no to. She discovered by stepping out of her comfort zone, she received far more than she gave. I like their idea of engaging in conversations with those we might not ordinarily talk to. So much we can learn from each other just by listening. Another takeaway is the myth of not being good enough. We have to stop believing that lie. That's what it is. Let's claim and proclaim the truth.
You are already right now good enough. Believe it. Live it. A huge shout out to our new listeners in China, Australia, Guam, New Zealand, Philippines, and Romania. Women, we are so happy to have you join in the conversation. We are grateful for each one of you. The Unabashed You website has photos, quotes, and a blog for each episode. Each episode has its own page at unabashedyou.com under Episodes. On social media, you can find us at Unabashed You on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter at Rochelle Renee. Feel free to follow us on any and all of the above. There are daily posts with great photos and inspirational quotes. If you have questions or comments, you can reach us through email at unabashedyou at gmail.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. We invite you to subscribe, rate, and review to help us be more discoverable. Let's go to some more states and some more countries. I want you to each feel fully yourself. And now our blessing for today. Have patience with everything unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Don't search for the answers which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. The point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answers. And that is by Rainer Maria Rilke. Amen. Women, find the right questions and live your way into the answers. Go be unabashed. Be you.